Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that sits in the chat of the Wizards Present stream and complains whenever they see literally any D&D content that they thought this was supposed to be about magic, but the show about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I'm joined by the charismatic vanguard herself, Emma. How are you doing this week? Good. I'm now COVID negative, so I can go outside and see people and bask in the wonderful sunshine. So I've done that for the last few days. (laughs) So this weekend is my LGS's eighth anniversary of opening the store. So they've had a little party slash gathering. They had like a Pioneer winner box on Saturday and today, Sunday, when we record, they just had a big commander day. So I went down to place in commander. There was cake. So I had a lot of cake. It was very good. Awesome. I won a few games with Contorius as well, thanks to the new edition of Inspiring Leader, which is the all tokens get plus two, plus two to yeah. your commander out, and it was just super good because I make a buck ton of spirits. I was really impressed with it. Um, so yeah, it's been good just to kind of be in reality again after being locked yeah. away for like a week. But as for content, I'm looking at modern, uh, Elder Rousey Tron as modern on a budget this week. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be rounding up some of the best spirit cards you can play in commander as well. So you can check those out on TCG Player right now. Outside of magic, at the start of the week, I couldn't do much because I was in quarantine. So Mm -hmm. I have very, very much fallen back to Slate the Spire because the game's awesome and I just forgot how good it was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I go through periods where I don't play it for six months and then I'm like every day for like six weeks. So I'm in that phase (laughs) right now. How about you? Nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm still playing an awful lot of Popper. Like I was saying recently, my regular playgroup, they're all building decks and stuff now and my LGS is also regularly firing decently sized popper FNMs, like 12 to 16 people, which is really nice. nice. Um, it's great to see, to be honest. Turns out if people actually just try it and like see the format in action, they love it. And then love the fact that they can, for the price of a standard deck, get like five popper decks. So, yeah, it's great. Yeah. I also built a new commander deck. It's Cedrus the Trader King. Got a new alt art there in Double Masters, which was nice. It's just like a solid reanimator deck. Uh, it used to have Gyruda as a companion, but it was like incredibly clunky. Like it was one of those decks where if you didn't get a two mana mana rock, you were just going land, go, land, go. And then yeah. you're like casting your commander that does nothing by itself on turn like five or six. And then you're like, okay. Uh, yeah. Just sort of sitting around. It's real clunky. So I've changed that out. It's no longer a Gyruda companion deck and it is like a lot smoother. So mm. that's an awful lot of fun to play. Like just bringing back stuff and just causing problems everywhere. It's just, <laughs> oh, love it. Speaking of commander as well, my article this week is about how commander decks differ when they have a planeswalker as a commander because we saw in the Wizards Present stream, which we'll be talking a little bit about in a little bit, but there are three, at least three new commanders that are planeswalkers. So just going through the different details and like how a build will differ based on like protection and ways to support them and that kind of thing. So that's now live on Card Kingdom. Check that out after the show. And I'm now on, I, I actually wrote down in the show notes that I'm on the second last episode, but since I wrote that, I'm now on the last episode of Dark on Netflix. Yeah. I still don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's the big bad. I don't know who's bad, who's good. There's like too many timelines. I I love it. It's gripping. Like I wouldn't have gotten to the last episode if I didn't love it. But like mm. I'm going to have to watch a full like deep dive explanation YouTube video after this. Like that's what I'm looking forward to most right now <laughs> just so I can like get some closure on what the hell is going yeah. on. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. 
Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BMcast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMcast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, it is card of the week time, and it is my week this week. So, I have a nice little one for you. Uh, This is one that I really think should see an awful lot more play than it does in Commander in particular, and that is Batwing Broom. So, for one and a hybrid ores of mana, so white-black, you get an instant that reads, Prevent all combat damage that we've been dealt this turn if white was spent to cast Batwing Broom. Each player loses one life for each attacking creature they control if a black was spent to cast Batwing Broom. So, it's a super flexible sort of combat trick for Commander. If you've paid white while you're casting it, it means that it's a fog. If you cast black when you're casting it, it means that it deals damage based on number of creatures. And you can pay, say, black for the hybrid cost and white for the generic cost, and it'll do both. So it's very flexible. You can mess around with it. You can also use it. It's not just whenever like people are attacking you. You can use it if an opponent is attacking someone else. You can save them with a fog. Or you can punish someone for overextending. By, like, if they swing it with everybody, you can just be like, I'm not going to stop the combat damage, but I am going to hurt you for doing that, you know? Yeah. I'm a big fan of prevent all combat damage effects because... Mm. I, I, again, a little bit of bias here because I have them in Quintorius. Um, I have like yeah. Cami of the False Hope, and it's just like doing that every turn just to stop me from dying. But then when I'm ready, I can just like Alpha Strike someone else. It's, it's just really valuable, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big fan of like the one and done effects because it's kind of like yeah. an emergency, like, oh shit, button. I lose it when I see like someone looping spore frogs and stuff, though. I'm like, can you? God, sure. just don't, please. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Let me punch you. <laughs> But <laughs> but that's my card of the week anyway. Um, it's a dollar fifty. I don't know how this doesn't see way more play than it does. Mm. It's so flexible, and people are supposed to be run. Well, not supposed to be, but like I definitely advise running at least like one sort of like that, like fog or damage prevention kind of thing in every deck. So yeah. So moving on, we had the Wizards Presents stream earlier this week. So figured we'd just chat a little bit about that first and foremost. What did you think of it, first of all? Like your overall opinion of what was shown? Um, so I'm going to give two answers because mm-hmm. we both work in magic content. So I'm going to give two separate <laughs> answers. So my, my Emma's a content creator hat answer is, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be so tired next year because there's so many releases. <laughs> Not outside of just standard sets. You've got all these supplemental yeah. and universes beyond stuff. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, I'm going to be exhausted just because there's a lot coming out. As yeah. someone who plays Magic, the casual, fun, happy, I'm going to my LGS and playing Magic, Emma, pretty excited because there's just a lot of good stuff coming. That We're returning to a lot yeah. of good planes, mm. as we'll talk about in a bit. And it just seems packed. There seems to be stuff for everyone, which is really good. And yeah. all the planes we're returning to next year are previous planes. There's no new ones. So there's a lot of familiarity for, very, for good reason. Um, but yeah, how about you? What do you think? I'm, I'm excited. Personally, I'm I'm excited. The content thing, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm I'm gonna be tired too. But like, hmm. 
I've like, accepted it. That's just that's just a, yeah. that's just the default now in magic content. You're just always tired. <laughs> yeah, that, I was just going to say like without any incentive, it's like we should be used to it by now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of that, I am very excited for a couple of things. First of all, the, like they were talking about the Brothers War and that it was they were confirming that it was going to be like very artifact heavy and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah. yes, <laughs> yes, that's my jam. Give it to me. Love me some <laughs> artifact jam. And then like moving into like Phyrexia and that kind of thing. I never got to experience any Phyrexia set, anything related to it at all, because it was like way before my time in Magic and getting to be a part of that now. And like seeing that they're throwing in like one or two little bits of like Phyrexian mana related stuff as well. And I'm like, oh, broken stuff, maybe broken things. (laughs) Mm. Mm. I'm excited for that personally. And then, you know what we'll do? We'll, we'll run through the, the sets that are coming out. So we know yeah. there's Dominaria United followed by the Brothers War. After that, yeah. we have Phyrexia, All Will Be One. That's the winter 2023 set. Yeah, so the way WotC do it, they go from January is winter and then yeah. go from fall to December is how, is how WotC do stuff. So it's like the start of the year, essentially. Mm. It's weird how what's he do, but they've yeah. always done it okay. like that. It always throws me off as well, but that's just yeah. how they work. Apparently. I was like, don't tell me that you've like worked up to the, this big stream and then gotten a typo. <laughs> it's the start of 2023. Yeah, but it's still it's technically really. winter because January's in winter. Yeah. Yeah. All right. After that, we've March of the Machine. Yeah. A- Not AKA... machines, just one. It's just yeah. one big machine, apparently. Because all will be one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Alice Norm gonna be thick, let me tell you. Yeah, um, damn right. Yeah. <laughs> and then once we're done with um the Gatewatch endgame or was it Gatewatch Infinity War, whatever you want to call it. Uh it's, there's it's like the second series in the Avengers War. The yeah. one with Faust, I don't know what it's called. They're all the same to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh once we're done with that, there's this weird set, like I think someone asked Marrow on Twitter. Uh, what the story was with the the following set, which is March of the Machine, the Aftermath. And he said that, like, it wasn't a typical standard or premium set. It's basically an expansion. It's like half a set. The way I'm kind of seeing it is this is the Crimson Vow of March of the Machine, which is Midnight Hunt. It's like Mm. two slightly smaller sets, which is weird because with with March of the Machine, the Aftermath is technically is going to put a fifth standard set in or expansion in. There's going to be a fifth... Mm for that year right yeah um apparently it's not like a full set but it's like half a set but the cards will be standard legal and arena legal so it's apparently something new that they're trying out so they yeah. i guess they want to tie up the story with an, another little set as opposed to just shoving it all in one like they did with War of the spark yeah yeah it sounds about right and then fall 2023 we're already though it's been long enough when you think about it. It's just the pandemic has warped our perception of time and reality. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going back to Eldraine. Wilds of Eldraine. I love that this is considered the palate cleanser after a big eventful set. It's going back to a plane that inherently broke magic for about 18 months. Um, yeah, yeah. Let us tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was this card called Oko. And once upon a time. The Great Henge. I don't know how to fit more of these cards into this like story that I'm weaving here. <laughs> Fires of Invention, uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what Eldraine's like, given the history of the first one. I think it's been mm. about, it would be four years at this point since we were last in Eldraine when the set rolls what? around. It was end of 2019, I believe. Oh my God. I believe. that That's just a guess. It's either the end of 2019 or early 2020. 
But either way, it's been about three to four years, which is weird. Yep. So that's right. That should be fun. Yep. But then, once we're done with this that, this is the one I'm looking forward to. Oh, me too. The Lost Caverns of Ixalan. We're going back to Ixalan. Yes. I want this to be like a powered up set from Ixalan because yes. it was already like I loved it. Like I, there were some great cards in there, and let me tell you, it was an unbelievable set. Looking back for Commander, oh my god, because there's yes. just so much good tribal stuff and so much like fun in there. But Ixalan, I love it. I love Ixalan so much. Like everyone was a bit meh about Ixalan because it was in between Kaladesh and Aether Revolt, which were these this very powerful set, and then you had Dominaria, which is this very nostalgic set. So naturally, mm. Ixalan just got forgotten in between the two. But I mm. really enjoyed it. I thought the story was great. I loved the world building. I thought the cards were cool. I really enjoyed the limited format, which I yeah. understand I'm a minority, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Same. Um, it was underpowered, that, but that's fine. I think it's good to have a mixture of underpowered and overpowered sets. And I yeah. think this one, was, I think Ixalan and Rivals were pretty good. And plus, as you said, there was a buck ton of good tribal cards. I remember, mm. I remember playing a lot of Mono White Monument during that time just because you could essentially play vampires and it was sweet yeah yeah it's really sweet and we've got some like universes beyond stuff coming up as well like we have lord of the rings uh we knew about that already but we saw some like art about it in the doctor who oh, oh, i'm so excited coming. yes i oh i'm ready i'm ready i'm very ready i'll be honest i'm not big on doctor who i've tried watching it multiple times i'm just like just and it's fine that it's not for me i'm cool with that mm-hmm. but i've tried to get into it i'm just like oh. I just can't get... I just can't take this seriously. Maybe that's the point. Maybe I'm not meant to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I think the whole thing is, like, you don't take it seriously for a very long time, but then, like, you've grown attached to it. So when, yeah. like, serious things try to happen in it, you're like, I'm going to look past the cheesiness of this because yeah. I'm already accepted that that's what this is. So this yeah. is actually just a really, like, emotional moment. Yeah. I, like, that's at least how I see it. Like, the whole thing is like, I'm real cheesy. And... Here's this you know, screwdriver this kind of that thing. I'm going to poke around or, or whatever. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I'm happy for people who are Doctor Who fans. They get to mm-hmm. enjoy the magic Doctor Who thing. Like, I'm going to enjoy Lord of the Rings and magic. Like, when that comes mm-hmm. out, I'm going to be a massive nerd when that gets released in, what, fall of 2023. So. Yeah. So, yeah, they're cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to them, honestly. Yeah. I think, like, when it comes to Universes Beyond, I think, like, the sooner everyone just accepts the fact that it's just a part of magic, like there are still people that are like oh i hate this i hate that i'm like that's fine but like like it's not going away like that's just like going oh i hate counter spells like sure but like stop making that your personality you know like yeah people just need to understand not every product's for them anymore just because there's much more of it there's going to be some stuff that misses yeah that's it and that's fine it's completely fine to ignore what comes out you are not obligated to buy nor invest in it that's it yep But also, I think it's the first release of next year, is Dominaria Remastered. So this is taking mm. after Time Spire Remastered, which we had a couple of years ago. I believe it was last year? Yeah, last year. Time is weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, time is weird. Um, yeah. So it's going to contain cards from 27 sets that featured on Dominaria. So it's going to be a mm. mix of everything, which sounds exciting. There's going to be a mix of like borderless and retro frame treatments. You're also going to have collector boosters. And they, be- I believe they revealed Force of Will as well. And you can get that in like Old mm. Border as well, which looks really, yep. really cool. And it is also likely, this wasn't part of the Wizards Presents, that we're probably going to get Modern Horizons free. Yeah. Because it's been two years. <laughs> and it seems they're doing it every two years. So that's fun. If yeah. that happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. Overall, I am excited to see what happens because like i'll be real i'd like a lot of the stuff that has come out in you know these things that they do 
every, like once a year where they're like, oh, next year, these are the sets that are coming out and this is what's going to happen and so on and so forth. And they always look exciting. And then as the sets are happening and like something breaks a format or something happens or there's a change and people hate it and all this kind of stuff. But you look back on it like six months later and you're like, eh, things are fine now, though. Like these bumps <laughs> yeah. and stuff just happened. But at the time, they're conflated so massively. And yeah. like I'm going to tell you like right now that like something is almost definitely going to break something somewhere. Right. Like it's just a fact of life. Right. You release new stuff. They can't test in literally every environment. So like they're going to release something that's going to mess up something somewhere. And like I might without realize it conflate it also being like this is stupid they shouldn't do this you ban this like now or <laughs> yeah. whatever but like I'm also aware that like that's just my emotional reaction at the time and that yeah. like none of these things are ever going to like kill magic or ruin magic or whatever and like all of the things here genuinely look more interesting and more exciting than most of the announcements that they've done over the last couple of years right. and that gives me even bigger hope than I normally would have for these kind of events or the upcoming year. So. I agree. I'm just excited yeah. for Ixalan. Can we, like, go ahead a year, please? Well, after the <laughs> Brothers War, dinosaur maybe. pirates. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. Dominaria United will be out shortly, and we will be going through also all sorts of great. mad nonsense with that. Yeah, it looks fantastic. It looks really good so far. And from that, I think we're going to move into... Uh, a little extra bonus bit of uh, value for this episode because we wanted to talk about the the Wizards present stuff and sort of like lay it all out just as a bit of info for the listeners and stuff but it wasn't enough for a whole episode so we have instead set up a little rotation pickups guide specifically for Pauper okay now I did this today before the episode because I was looking into the research and stuff for a rotations pickup episode that will be coming up shortly and I realized that there's actually so much stuff rotating that has had yeah. such a massive impact on every single format that there are so many things we would recommend picking up that we yeah. nearly have to do it format by format now because <laughs> there's just that much like it's yeah. so many cards. Yeah, the pandemic sets were really good, which is also a shame mm. because not many people opened them because they're pandemic sets. Granted, mm. you're not going to have that issue because these are commons. Uh, it might be a little tricky when we talk about modern Pioneer, for example. But yeah, there's a lot of good pauper stuff in the last four sets, which is what yeah. Zendikar Rising, Strixhaven, Kaldheim, and Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. So yeah, it's also if you're looking to play pauper slash going through your collection to chuck out all the rotated stuff we just there's a bunch of cards that we recommend that you just keep before because they're pretty good yeah absolutely i'll kick it off with zendikar rising mm -hmm. um a great set lots of dfcs which we'll talk about in another episode but they, that was a big takeaway from the set um, yeah. As for pauper like cards to keep from the set, Feed the Swarm's a great one because it's a black enchantment removal. We all we all know how difficult that is, especially yeah. at common. Um, you got Cleansing Wildfire, which is still a, uh, a pauper deck with the indestructible lands. You see these yeah. Jeskai and Grixis piles that use Cleansing Wildfire to ramp while targeting the indestructible lands to get ahead on mana. Really, mm. really fun. Also deals with Tron lands, which is relevant, even though Tron's not yeah. that playable, but it's good to just have an answer for it. And then you've got stuff like Marauding Light Priest, which is a Torch of the Existence win condition, good in Abs and Soul Sisters. Mm. The effect is really, really unique. It's unlikely we'll see that effect at common for quite a while, so it's just worth picking up. Yeah. And then you also got one of the best eggs in the uh, in that set as well, which is Spare Supplies. 
Um, just sees a lot mm -hmm. of playing like the Boris synthesizer style decks as a way for the value for Core Skyfisher. You can keep repeating and drawing cards. Who doesn't love that? I mean, mm. you would know, Scott, because you've been playing a lot oh, of Boris yeah. Synthesizer recently. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then there's one more that doesn't see play, but it might be worth just keeping them in case something comes up that makes it good, which is Ardent Electromancer. It's the kind yeah. of card that, while doesn't see play at the moment, all it takes is one card for it to be really, really good. And given the amount of commons that we see printed set by set, that's probably pretty soon, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, I snuck that one in because it's... It's a party card, right? I'll actually Ooh. read this one because I'm certain like no one knows this, right? <laughs> uh, it's two and a red for a 3-2 human wizard. And when it ETVs, you add red for each creature in your party. And it's already a wizard. So like, it feels like it, once the right deck comes along, this is going to be like the linchpin of it, you know? Yeah. I just feel like there's, there's something there. And I feel like it's important to just point it out now, just in case, like in say three years time, they print a card that like breaks this. And I'm like, oh, I told you so. And then we record, we have an episode <laughs> for years like going, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> All the times we were right and not highlighting any of the times that we were wrong. What no. are you talking about? <laughs> we're never wrong. What are you on about? No, no, not at all. Um, Strixhaven though I'll talk about Strixhaven oh, because oh my god I loved this set so much there were so many good spells just mm. instants and sorceries my jam my bag even at common like there were some incredible ones Thrilling Discovery is oh, just yeah. cathartic reunion except it goes in Boris Bully because it gains you life as well and if it gets countered you don't have to discard the cards so you don't lose out on the value and it's just real nice there's Teach by Example the yeah. spell copy effect i don't think there are any other spell copies well there weren't any spell copies before this one there might have been one maybe printed after this but that's about it it's very easy to break that kind of thing first day of class literally made the goblin combo yep. deck a thing so i love that deck so much <laughs> it's very good it's so convoluted it. but it's very good yeah probably my favorite card for pauper that came out of it though was serpentine curve oh yeah because this is it's just yeah it just makes a very good win condition like making a fractal that's equal to the number of spells uh, that are in your graveyard and in exile is yeah. just enormous and then you just you know fling it at your opponent so you just yeah. have four augur of bolus infinite spells and then these yeah. and like that's I your remember whole deck. <laughs> going to like a pauper weekly event on a thursday mm. and I, I was against an opponent that was playing grixis wildfire with cleansing wildfire that has serpentine yeah. curve as the win condition and oh, it killed yeah. me because it was like a 12 12 and i was like i can't beat this that's so good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you've Gosh. got a, the, the only other one that i would suggest from strixhaven i think will be bayou gruff which Ooh, is yeah. the two mana five four as an additional cost sack a creature or pay I think it's like three or four or something but you're nearly always sacking a creature it's an enormous threat it's a five four it sometimes shows up in stompy decks uh, it shows up in some sacrifice lists as well alongside like young wolf or little sack fodder kind of things you know yeah. but this was an incredible set for EDH more than pauper but it's still like that first day of class serpentine curve in particular just made new decks exist which is phenomenal. So I will take Kaldheim, which mm. was a pretty good set for Pauper, let's be honest, especially the mana bases. So not only did you yeah. just get basic Snowlands, you also got dual Snowlands that come in tapped. Admittedly, mm. it's a bit of a moot conversation to talk about duels because we have the indestructible lands for Modern Horizons. They will always see play over. Um, but it's also worth just picking up like a playset of each of these for the time where there's a common card that says get a Plains card out of your deck and you can just search for the dual that yeah. you need because they they have the typing 
And also, it does see play because you have like Scred decks with Is It Fairies. Scred is like yeah. one of the best removal spells in the format, um, alongside Galvanic Blast. So just having that good snow count is nice, mm -hmm. and plus they just tap. And that, that typing is so good on a common. It's, a it's so yeah. uncommon to see it, so it's just <laughs> worth picking them up. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh. Um, one of my favourites from Kaldheim is Mask Vandal, which is enchantment removal that yeah. is also a shapeshifter. So there's a lot of good tribal applications. You see it in Goblin Combo, you see it in Slivers, and any other tribal deck that will see play in Porf, because removing artifacts and enchantments is a very important part, given the, mm. the, the consistency of Affinity, for example. It's just good to have an answer. Yeah. Same goes for Snakeskin Veil, which is great protection. It's a one-mana protection spells that are always great. If you happen to play something like Infect, which is not as popular as it once is, but it's still a fine strategy. You get to run the stuff like this and protect your threats. Yeah. Another good one, doesn't really see much playing Pauper now, but Starheim Course nope. is good because it reduces the cost of enchantments. So if you want to go a little creative with your Bogles, Bogles is pretty good in Pauper at the moment, so any enchantment-based strategy tends to do well, so you may want to squeeze that somewhere or somewhere in the mm -hmm. future. Another great value piece that made the Cascade decks really good is Saros Packmate. Yeah. Good just helps curve out, gives you a great curve, allows you, use, allows you to use your mana efficiently, great in mid-range decks. The Cascade decks tend to be mid-rangey in what they want to do. Mm. So if you see Gruel or Teemo, you'll often see self Pac-Man feature. And Cascade is just a fun strategy it's just to have these cool DTB creatures. Um, <laughs> and one that Scott put at the bottom, because <laughs> why not? Uh, it's Giant Ox, because you just never know what's going to happen in Pauper. Which is yeah, true, listen, just don't. <laughs> listen, right, what happens what happens is like people skim over like the common vehicles because they've never been good. But what's yeah. gonna happen is you're gonna have like this vehicle that's gonna be like crew six and it costs one and it's gonna be like an eight eight and people are gonna be like, That's terrible. Yeah. And then people are gonna remember Giant Ox was a thing. Yeah. If you can't remember what Giant Ox was, it's one in a white O six that crews vehicles using its toughness rather than its power. So yeah. it's up to crew six immediately by itself. I just, it, it's again, it's another one of those unique effects that has absolutely no home and is useless right now, but <laughs> you never know, you know? <laughs> and then I'll take finally the D&D &D Adventures in Forgotten Realms. There was not a lot in this set for Pauper, but there were one or two big cards in particular. The biggest one was mm. Deadly Dispute. Now, I know it got a reprint recently. So it has gone down in value, but at one point it was like nearly $10 a card or something stupid. Crazy. But like, it's still one of the best value pieces in the format. I would absolutely pick up all of these wherever you can. Um, Shambling Ghast as well. is one mana when it dies. Something gets minus one, minus one at the end of turn, or you make a treasure token. Yeah. And that's one of the best one mana sacrifice fodders ever. And then Dawnbringer Cleric as well is just a really good sideboard card. It can often see play in the main board of like Flicker decks or familiar decks where they can yeah. you know, reuse the effect to keep gaining life or to blow up enchantments and that sort of stuff. So that's really good too. Um, that's kind of it for the D&D set. Like there weren't any good like dual lands or no. other role players. But The thing is with the D&D set, as you mentioned with Deadly Dispute, a lot of them got reprinted in mm. Battles for Baldur's Gate, including Dawnbringer Cleric. Yeah. So even though, you know, these have all been reprinted, stuff like Deadly Dispute is just going to see playing poor, but the card's phenomenal. Also really good for Commander on a side note. You should probably jam it in your Commander decks. Um, yeah. But yeah, there, was, there wasn't a huge amount of AFR, but there's, it's still worth just keeping a hold of this stuff because it's probably going to go off again at some point, especially Deadly Dispute. Yeah, like the reason that we're saying to pick up 
these commons and stuff now is because these are the kind of ones where you'll be building a deck and you'll be like, oh, where is that? And then you won't want to order it from somewhere because the shipping is going to be more than the cost of the postage and stuff. It's like, you know what? Just chalk out like 20 minutes, get out to the LGS, hand them a list and be like, give me all these and like pay your $10 or whatever. And then that is an entire year's worth of commons sorted and done. And that's like the best thing to do. Now, will I be doing that myself? No, I'm going to be sitting here in six months time trying to build a deck, trying to find two of like thrilling discovery and be like, God, where are they? I can't believe I have to order this now on card market. And it's going to cost me four euro to get it here, despite the fact that they only cost 10 cents each. Like that's 100% going to be me. But, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I need to get a bigger box for my pauper commons because I've got it in a deck box at the minute. I've got like eight of each. Because yeah. um, I hate swapping cards out of decks, especially if it's like 10p. But I need to get one of those big white sort of container things now, the cardboard mm. containers that you get at LGS is just to put everything in. Because it's just so much good stuff, and I refuse to just have everything in deck boxes. Yeah. <laughs> and just be like, oh, which one is which? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so there's a little bit of uh, value for you added into the Wizards Presents spiel. Um, oh. Now, before we finish up, I believe we have a couple of bits of Q&A that we actually missed last week because we missed our normal episode, but then we had a special episode a day later because of the preview cards and yeah. that kind of thing. So things were a little mixed around this week, but we have, hopefully, I think we caught all of the Q&A that we had from yes. the last week or so. So if you want to kick off with that. Yeah, so first off, we've got Joe Chaney asking, thoughts on Magic 30? And if you don't know what Magic 30 is, it's the big Magic the Gathering event happening in Vegas, I believe in October, Mm. where they're celebrating 30 years of Magic. And I believe there's going to be like five more events after this that celebrates it into next year. But um, tickets went on sale, I believe, a couple of weeks ago, and there's been a lot of discourse around it. Yeah, I like the idea. I don't like the pricing structure or how expensive it is to be able to go into the dedicated commander areas. There also seems to be just a bunch of crap added into the packages i'm just gonna call it crap sorry but it's just like it's just more paraphernalia we just keep we get paraphernalia all the time you know give us more experiences like for the cost of some of these tickets like 350 dollars or something like i would want to pay 350 dollars to like sit down and play a game with i don't know the command zone cast or something like this you know something along those some like a cool experience and wizards can make that happen they just haven't done that they were just like how about like a deck box and slough and tat. you're like i've already got that like lots of tat you know yeah <laughs> um i'm uh, indifferent on it i guess i think my only issues is why is it in vegas this really expensive place because i think that's partly why the ticket prices yeah. are so much just trying to get money back on renting a place in vegas like i mean True. i'm not american i don't understand the hubbub with vegas like the whole experience is going to be expensive like hotels travel mm. food because vegas is just generically an expensive place yeah um the location i'm a bit confused on whatever i guess um i like mm-hmm. the idea celebrating 30 years of magic is sweet just i it feels kind of bad that you're charging people to play commander though yeah i mean on the Vegas thing, I know that it's probably because their like flagship event every year was always Magic mm. Fest Vegas or GP Vegas or whatever it is. So I think that's they were just sort of running with that same thing. But like it's still like you said, it's so damn expensive. Like good god. Well, I suppose. I mean, if you can afford to go there, they're probably looking at it and being like, "Well, you can afford the tickets, then I guess." This you know? is it. This is what Safran Otto said. Is like, if you can afford to go to Magic Fest Vegas, you should be able to afford the ticket because you're paying for everything yeah. else. Not that you yeah. should. 
but it's kind of the way things are, unfortunately. For sure. I like the idea of them. I just and also the fact that the tickets just went sold out in like two days. <laughs> it was a bit crap. Yeah, I'm not 100% <laughs> believing that they were all bought. You know what I mean? It's just something's not right. <laughs> Some sort of like artificial scarcity kind of thing would not surprise me. I know that sounds extremely cynical, but like it's been mm. done before. Mm. Not necessarily by wizards, but like it's been done before to yeah. try and increase hype for stuff. So you know, be cool to have one in Europe. Just saying, let's see. Mm, yeah, that's that's all I'm gonna say because they're all gonna be in America. Let's be honest. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, whatever I guess. Because I know mm. the next one's Charlotte, which is in February, because that's the first yeah. Pro Tour. So I think they're doing that all together. So that's the second one. The other mm. three are probably somewhere else in America because apparently that's where magic only happens. Yep. Only magic in America. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, carrying on, we've got a couple of questions from Travis Norman. Um, mm. First question: When can he guest on the show? Ooh, soon. We'll be in touch. Yeah, soon. Go mm. get Pepper Jack on his dog as well. Oh yeah. I think that's the only. <gasps> I think that's the only stipulation. Pepper Jack's got to join us as well. Yeah, yeah. We we must have a minimum of three photos of Pepper Jack to put in the show notes. Yeah. Yes. For patrons. <laughs> um, second question: What's the cheapest possible modern pioneer deck? You think you could free one with at your local FNM? Could you do it for under $100? How about 50 Okay, so I had to think about this because Travis posted these questions like over a week ago. Um, mm. They were supposed to be in last week, but like I said, mix-ups and stuff. So to answer the last two questions, could you do it for under $100? Yes, absolutely. How about under 50 Yes, absolutely, I think. But I don't necessarily want to give you the cheapest possible modern pioneer one that you could three one with a your local FNM right now because I think we might be able to make an episode or two out of this where we actually take this question and we like really flesh it out because I think this would be something that would be really good to sort of revisit because like we were saying recently like we haven't done a whole lot of the like budget deck guides and that kind of stuff in a while mm -hmm. so it would be nice to maybe just you know start back into that with like a refresher on a bunch of different decks and that kind of thing so yeah keeping keeping ears to the ground for that if if you wanted a deck just off the top of my head i would just say like the hollow food deck from like 20 episodes back or whatever it was for modern that deck is like maybe 70 80 dollars and it's 10 out of 10 sometimes you just ruin people's day on turn one by burning and querying away all their lands and they can't play the game so and for Pioneer, I'd probably just suggest Mono Blue Spirits. Yeah. Or the Mono yeah. White Humans that we that we uh, talked about a few weeks ago. That's another good one. Very true. Question from Jamie Coyle. Uh, any agreements or disagreements with Mark Rosewater's State of Design of 2022? I admit I have not read this, so... <laughs> so, to give a quick overview of this, right? The highlights that he pointed out was like, the highlights are, we push the boundaries of what magic can do. I agree. The, yeah, that was that was a highlight. They definitely mm. pushed boundaries and came up with some really, really sweet things. Uh, they experimented with how to properly readjust the color pie. I do think they're making good strides with that. Things have improved and have balanced a good bit. I think some colors might now need like just a quick little rework or retouch, but like we're definitely getting there. It's looking a lot more balanced overall. They adapted their design to the feedback of their customers, which I also agree. You know, people don't necessarily agree with this, but they're also not looking at it from the proper scale because if someone says something to them and they go, okay, we'll change that, you're not going to see the effects of that for like three years. Yeah. So, you know, these things take time. And I do think that they have been doing that. It's starting to show for sure. The lessons that they learned 
was that they need to be more conscious about backwards compatibility. So they're building, they're designing for what he calls an eternal world, where the core of Magic Play involves the full history of the game. So they're looking at things being like, will this break legacy in half or whatever, you know? That's good. That's good. That's what people wanted, you know? They wanted to be more careful with complexity as well because they didn't want... They don't want like stuff where new players will come in and they'd be overwhelmed with all these different things going on. They're like, this is really confusing. I don't know what's happening. While also similarly not... Like if they're upping the complexity to be able to build for that eternal world and stuff as well, and they need to make sure that there's a balance struck there. And I do think that they're working towards that as well, which is good. And then the final one is they need to be more conscious about how they talk about the products. I think this one sort of highlighted more about like Battle for Baldur's Gate because... When they were like, Commander Legends, Battle for Baldur's Gate, they were like, people were like, oh, Commander Legends 2. So we're going to get like amazing reprints and brand new, like incredible bombs. When in reality, it was just like a cool, fun set that was like a great limited environment and had some fun little role players. And people were real annoyed about that. And, you know, if they just approached it correctly in the first place, yeah, yeah, it would have been a lot better. Language is a big, language is a big part of it, isn't it? Yeah, Um, 100%. Yeah, I agree with that. I kind of like the eternal sort of awareness of when they design cards. It may mean they might put a little attention into Pauper, who knows? Um, mm. As someone on the panel, that's quite nice to hear. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, mm. proof's in the pudding, right? Yeah. Um, and then finally, we got a uh, not question, but more of a tidbit from Spike Feeder Alex. Mm-hmm. And they think Right of the Raging Storm should be a priority of red decks, and it looks to be bulk value. So, Right of True. the Raging Storm, I believe, is from New Capenna Commander decks. And I'll read what it does, because I didn't know this card until Spike mentioned it. Um, Mm -hmm. So for free, generic, and two red, you get an enchantment. And it reads, Creatures named Lightning Ranger can't attack you or Planeswalkers that you control. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player creates a 5-1 red elemental creature token named Lightning Ranger. It has Trample, Haste, and at the beginning of the end step, sacrifice this creature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think this originally came out in like one of the earlier Commander sets like mm. commander 15 i think it was and yeah it, it is basically bulk like i don't know of anyone playing this in any deck and you know in these kind of fun more casual pods and stuff this is brilliant it's just like okay mm. every single turn you're all basically getting a ball lightning yeah that's it like ball lightning's everywhere you know <laughs> welcome to the ball lightning pit and yeah. i really like that you know as a red player in commander I might have to go pick one of these up, actually. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> you get a ball lightning. You get a ball lightning. Yeah, we're just going to Oprah everybody with our ball lightnings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it because it actually gives some inevitability because you're losing mm. the creature anyway. So it kind of encourages some combat and some sort of resource exchange, life totals exchanging. I like cards that do that. Descent into Avernus is another good one that I want to add yeah. to Pintorius because it just snowballed. It has that inevitability, which I quite like in Commander. Fun story about Descent into Avernus is uh, in one of the pods when we were in Command Fest Birmingham, uh, yeah. we had an eight-person draft doing Battle for Baldur's Gate and the other four people in the pod, uh, they all drew the game because they all died to Descent into Avernus together. Oh, no. <laughs> it was fantastic. It was great. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to us here at the BMCast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier, we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman, and Patrick Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have a nice planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Matson, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Nikki Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck.